I've already started recording, so yeah. What, like did that. you ever watch that? What program was that from? Five, four, three. No, it was the other way. Five, four, three. Yeah, one. that was. Holy shit! That's a blast in the past. That was a. No. Uh, that was like a psychedelic, weird, stop motion. No, I think it was a game show. No, it wasn't a game show. It was a kids show. Ah, uh, unless we think, unless we're not thinking the same thing. Maybe but not. I remember, I mean, I I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking it. Uh, it was a. Oh my god, I can't. It's actually a really hard thing to even describe. Like if you can't, I can't even describe what's in my head. I can see right now. But I remember there, there was on a. I think I'm pretty sure it was on, like a after school, show, not a game show, like an after yeah, school yeah. show, and they had like the same clip those to show was like a minute long on every single episode where it had like that weird hand thing of where it's like frame to frame of like five or three to one it went through different things yeah. like i said that sounds shit to anyone listening that doesn't know what's in my head because i can't describe it at all i've just youtubed it i'm just trying to find it i know what you what mean would you, I think what it would you even youtube what, what five four three two one game show no it's not it's not game show. <laughs> i'm gonna put hand things <laughs> <laughs> if anyone listening and you're like i know what it is um please like i don't know scratch do it on an instagram story and tag us in and let us know um but they're probably thinking i've got no fucking idea what you're <laughs> talking about we're having a great time uh five three two one grounding technique definitely not that five four three two one grounding no five four three two one song was it but, just three two one was it not five four three no two, i one? thought it actually went down from like 10 or something no because he did it with one hand five four three or three two one i don't even know Maybe if it's it was about the same thing though no. Anyway, great content this, mate. Yeah, that's going to bug the shit out of me for ages now. Thank you very much. You can message me about it during the week. Yeah, when I find, I'll find out after this podcast, no doubt. If if not, I will not be going to bed tonight. Actually, okay. no, I will. I'll pass out after the weekend. I've just had. I'll definitely pass out. Tell us about your weekend, Brad. Oh, what a segue! Uh, <laughs> I have been on a, uh, a, a a a gentleman's outing in Bristol. <laughs> AKA a stag dude. No, it was very much a gentleman's outing, if I'm honest. Lads, it, was, lads, lads, it, lads. it wasn't actually that raucous. My voice might say otherwise, but when I have lack of sleep, my voice always goes a bit gruff. In fact, I come home, the wife says, Jenny goes, um, why do you always lose your voice? Are you always shouting? I'm like, no, actually, I don't think I am shouting. Obviously, there's a lot of chat and talking. Mm. And I guess you're like, you are sometimes in louder bars and stuff where you kind of, you know, shouting a little bit. But I just always seem to lose my voice. I'll go croaky. Is it because you maybe drink a bit too much, so you sleep less to start with, but also you maybe snore when you're asleep? Is that why you always go? I don't really snore. Not even when you're a bit pissed? Not even when I'm a bit pissed. Um, and we did actually get a conversation with my roomie um, about snoring, because he does sometimes snore when he drinks, and he didn't. And he mm. said, and obviously the conversation went, and he said, I didn't snore either. Unless oh. he didn't notice I snored when I did, but no. Mm. So I don't think it's snoring. No. So I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is. It's probably something to do with the alcohol, no doubt. But I don't know if it's alcohol and lack of sleep or whether, or whatever. But yeah, I'm pretty pretty tired. I'm not gonna lie. Didn't get much sleep Friday night. Uh, even less sleep last night, and then I had to drive five hours home today. So. Oh, where did you go for it? Bristol. Bristol. Or ironically, Bristol was in the Bristol. Bristol was in the Bristol. Yeah. I love that. So. 
Should we should have t-shirts made shouldn't we brizzle and brizzle although it's not my it wasn't my stag so no. it wouldn't really be that great but have a good time though it was fantastic did loads of funny things um okay. which i would like to talk about to the listeners um uh, as in activity stuff which i think the first thing so uh yes well, actually we have a really nice meal i was supposed to meet two clients as well lammy and um sarah because they live between bristol and bath and uh they are together by the way just in case anyone is interested okay. as in like why they both live in that same region because they live in the same house funny enough um but I was supposed to be meeting them, but then in the end, just didn't get between the two parties, just didn't get time to kind of meet up. So I thought if I'm all the way over that way, it'd be nice to kind of meet up face to face and stuff. Mm. Um, but in the end, we didn't. We went to um, this really nice restaurant on Friday night called Pasture. Very nice, mm. high end steak place, very fancy. Um, and uh, they re- they uh, they didn't recommend it, but as soon as they found out I was going there, they said, "Oh, you'll like that." I said, "I did like it. It's mm. a very nice, very nice restaurant." So um, did that, and then obviously just out to a few bars and stuff. Ended up in like a Kong bar. Don't know if you have them around where you live in in bishops. No. Um, they are like grungy, studenty. They play like eighties music. Mm, game, like game things in the corner. Like there's a ping pong table in one, a foosball, another bit, and like shitty old arcade games. It's a bit, it's a bit grungy, studenty, but um, yeah, is what it is, isn't it? I'm a middle aged man standing in the corner watching all the students dance, <laughs> dance around. It really was a gentleman's outing, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's good fun. Um, and then, the, but what I want to talk about is the next day. So the stag organised some activities, which I quite liked. Like, you know, to do something like I, you know, I like the idea that it was active. But I just like you know, you want to stay, you want to have some, you don't want to sit in the pub all day, like not as a thirty-eight-year-old man again. I, you know, I want to actually get involved and do something different. So we actually did something called um, combat archery, mm-hmm. which is effectively like like um, obviously like cheap bows, but like kind of. Um, not like proper archery bows, like cheap bows, but like de- really reasonably solid arrows with like l- large Nerf style like foam ends, so you don't hurt anyone. Still have to wear like big masks and stuff, or big like like PJ Duncan style helmet type thing. But I did make that joke once because obviously I said like don't take your mask off because um as much as these have got Nerf things on and they're unlikely to do any damage, they will hurt if you get one smashed in the face. So uh, don't take your mask off. Some of them I was like, ah. I, I made a joke like ah, I'm blinded. I'm blinded. <laughs> I remember watching I know, that so traumatised I know I know me too the, the dude running it did like it I must admit I saw his yeah. face and he did laugh and I was like he, he, he obviously said oh that's a great reference and I looked around and thought most people wouldn't even get that I don't think because Ed, Ed, Ed's about 8 years younger than me I think something like that so maybe in a bit maybe even 10 so obviously some of his mates are also there um, also that's in Ray so probably don't even know who BJ Dunk is so I get that mate good good I I'm glad I wasn't ra- ra- um, wasted but no, that was fun no. So it's basically like different kind of types of games, just basically trying to shoot shoot each other. And obviously, we just absolutely patted Ed the entire time. Just yeah. bear in mind, it's a stag, just, just pat him. And uh, what I liked afterwards, though, so straight after that, we then did a different game. Electro football. Electro football? Yes. It Which was painful. the highlight. Yeah, it was, yeah. I won't know. It was pretty rough. Pretty rough. Talk me um, through. So they, uh, basically, you get what is, I think, meant to be for a dog collar like a trainer trainee dog collar type thing where they're like obviously electric shock which he did say like they're illegal to purchase in the uk however <sighs> you can obviously use they're not illegal to use so you can buy them obviously bring them in and just use them so basically we all had these like cuff things tucked like around our wherever we would put them but he said like put them around your leg at some point and um, so i kind of like just put it around my like thigh and just like did up and uh yeah pretty rough not gonna lie they not quite as bad as a tough mudder like 10,000 volts, um, but pretty bad 
bear in mind that obviously in Tough Mudder you kind of get a couple of shocks and away you go and like, phew, I'm out of that, thank God. This is obviously pretty constant. So, because oh um, effectively they're like little remotes that control them, and there's always like one person. Like obviously we're like doing different games again, but there's generally someone on the opposition team controlling it on the sideline. So you just every time a ball comes near you, like you go to take a shot and your leg just gives way because someone <gasps> just electrocutes you or whatever, or you can't try to run and you like someone just collapses because their leg just stops working. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Sounds like the Hunger Games. <laughs> someone made that joke already because there was the ar combat archery thing. There was one game where it said like all the ammo just got stuck in the middle and then you had to just leg it first. Like just that was like all the all. Like, there was there was like what do you call it? Like I don't know what the term is, but Last basically every, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, so every, everyone against each other. And um, so obviously everyone just pegs it to the middle, just trying to grab all this ammo. And someone said, "Oh, it's like the Hunger Games." I never seen it, so I don't know. But yeah, someone did make that joke. But that was that was. I want to say it's it's a laugh, and it's nice to do something that isn't just solely around unhealthful behaviours when you're on a stag do. Yeah, so it's nice to do something active. I mean, I did like that day on Saturday. I think the amount of walking I did. Um, not none of this was purpose, as in like we didn't intend to do any specific kind of walking for walking. This was literally just kind of going to like. Tesco get some water walk into like the restaurant or whatever obviously that bit during the day and I did have my step counter on when we did some of the games but I did like 30,000 steps that day bloody hell so so yeah very very active but yeah I absolutely drunk way too much um, ate way too much clearly but I'll say wait, ate way too much actually I didn't I didn't actually eat much the first day the first day we had that steak restaurant which was really really nice obviously just had like a three course meal but like a like a really a high end one so it wasn't like mass and mass and mass as a food um, and then I woke up next morning and thought we've got football I think we were getting picked up about 9 o'clock to go so it's quite early so obviously we'd only had about 4 or 5 hours sleep and then I thought to myself mm, should I go get some breakfast or not and a few of us were like you know some people stayed in bed some people got out and I, me and me, Matt and uh, my friend Ben went for a walk to get some coffee and thought we might just get some breakfast in the coffee shop but nowhere was really open so in the end I sell mm. for like a, a 4 pint bottle of semi-skin milk so just drank that <laughs> I just thought, just thought get, got some protein, great in the hydration index, away we go. <laughs> did the job. Yeah, did the job. So um, so I didn't really consume any, any breakfast. I mean, I, I don't even know what was in that, probably about three, 400 calories to be fair. Um, yeah, it probably was about that thing. About, I mean, what is it? You, you're usually talking about 35, 40 calories for 100 mils. So that was the 1.1 litres or whatever it is on that. So yeah, it works out about 400, nearly 500 calories. Um Decent amount of protein, obviously, good, which is good. Yeah. So got that in, I say, and uh, rehydration. Very hydrated after drinking yeah. out. So definitely did the job. But then, I think we we then the, so the next activity we did in the evening, axe throwing. Oh, it's brilliant! It's really br I did oh, that look, really you, recently. You packed up then. You really got excited. <laughs> I was like electro football, uh, combat archery snore, electro football snore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, axe throwing! Yeah. No, I did that really recently as well. It's really good fun. It was fun. I enjoyed it's it. Isn't it? Uh. Took took a few goes to kind of get used to the the, the technique slash like trajectory and yeah there is obviously like he was trying to teach us like the actual technique so there was definitely like it's all about technique and I don't necessarily agree personally however he's the expert so you should probably listen to him not me like Joe Rogan style um, like I'm standing basically telling you not to get vaccinated in the way I'm <laughs> speaking at the minute by the way that's a joke I am not actually telling you to not get vaccinated um, but. Obviously, my my uh, knowledge and information on axe throwing is pretty limited, is what I'm saying. So don't take my advice. But I do think it's a bit more to just like general feel than what he was trying to say. Like, well, I felt it was anyway. But I felt I felt better at it when I just kind of let the technique slide a little bit or be a bit more loose. And I just kind of went with like, like I know how to throw a ball. I know how to throw like I can throw an axe. Like I'll just 
do it when it feels necessary. And to be fair, a couple did say that I thought I was the best. So just say. Did you try but I didn't the underhand win. throw? I didn't win though before you saw you go on. Yeah. But I didn't win. So there is this irony of that. Some couple said I thought I was the best, but I didn't actually win. So Sometimes though, it's like you start, it's when you do anything, you get a little bit of skill at it and then you kind of overthink it a little bit, don't you? And you kind of like lose yeah. that beginner's ability. That, 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 that definitely natural... happened. There's a bit yeah. of, I, tried, I felt forced a couple of moments, like especially where I think the scoreboard and obviously different scores. I assume they're quite similar across wherever you do it, probably. Um, but obviously, like big target, and obviously you get your scores closer in the inner ring. You get all bullseye. Obviously, you get higher scores. But there's a couple of marks they used to have, like for like higher points. And um, I think there was one moment where I said, obviously, I'd like you'd go for one of the higher marks then. And as soon as I went for like high mark, went all out the window. Don't know why. Yeah. Like I could, hit, I could get, I was getting pretty close to bullseyes a lot of the time. Think, oh, I'm getting quite good at this. And it started to feel like, oh, I'm getting this. And then just suddenly go for a, like, a, a slightly different angle off. And I was like, all over the place. Like, hit, basically didn't even hit the board. It was like flying down on the floor. I was like, what the fuck happened there? Like really forced. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, did you, you try underhand? Uh, no, we didn't. Um, I guess we just went with what he said. Afterwards, yeah. we hung around, had a couple of drinks and stuff afterwards before we then moved on. And there were people kind of with other instructors that were doing loads of different things. Like yeah. they were doing like backwards throwing and other stuff. And I, I thought, they didn't look very safe. And also, the dude, I think one of our party just you know, making conversation with the, the instructor that we had. What's the worst thing that's ever happened? Anything really bad? He said, no, nah, nothing really bad has happened. In fact, they've only ever had one major incident. He said, oh, right, what's that? Then? He said, actually, as an instructor did it. And they're uh, doing a bit of a trick shot. And uh, apparently, as he's doing like a backwards double hand, like two, two axes behind. So obviously, I guess the axe is pointing downwards, not upwards. So as he brought it over the back of his head, he basically just dragged the axe across the top of his skull and obviously just cut all the back of his head open. Ooh. So, yeah, if, it, if that, that obviously sounds like it'd be pretty rough. So Ouch. They're not that sharp, to be fair. They're no, not, they're, not they? that they're not like razor-sharp axes. Um, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't want to get hit with one. At speed. At any speed, yeah. To be fair, they are proper axes, so I wouldn't want to get hit one full yeah. stop, let alone any speed, but yeah. No, it's fun, that. I like doing that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I didn't win. Ed did actually win, ironically, oh. being the stag, which he was. I mean, I guess you've got to say he's probably the best then, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I would have beat him in the in the semi final. I think had I, I hit the we had the, the semi finals got to where you only got two axes to throw. My first axe hit bullseye and bounced out, and I think obviously that then changed it completely. Mm. So that's why I then had to go for a seven on that final one, obviously to try and get the points. To if not, I couldn't win basically. So seven. I didn't do it, unfortunately. So. Oh dear! Well, you just you let him win. It was his stag. Yeah, it's totally yeah, fine. Yeah, it's totally um, fine. There was a reason I said about the, the axe throne because we basically had pizza at the axe throne, um, mm. and I was just about saying, obviously nutrition wise, because it's a nutrition podcast. What I'd consume if you talk about overeating, um, because I knew we were having pizza, and I thought it's pizza at the place. Thinking how good is this pizza going to be? It's probably be shit pizza. Let's be honest. And it's not going to be like some some fancy wood fired thing, is it? No doubt. So I um, went to Three Brothers in uh, um, Bristol. Very good burger place. So I had a burger and some dirty fries for lunch after my pint of milk in the morning, um, or four pints of milk in the morning, I should say. And then obviously, yeah, just had a few slices of pizza. Didn't overdo it too much, to be honest, in the evening. I didn't, again, where I am in my kind of um, nutrition periodization in terms of basically the fact that I've just overfed for so bloody long now, I can easily just not even eat half the meals, to be honest, and just not even think about it. So, yeah. which yeah. isn't a bad place to be unless you feel really uncomfortable in your physique and then it might not be the best place to be. But because I don't, then yeah, it's, it kind of l lends itself in favour to me sometimes in these types of scenarios because I can, other than obviously I guess some of the non-negotiables that I t try to teach clients in terms of like, yeah, okay, 
we can be pretty flexible on our nutrition, but there are kind of like some non-negotiables where in terms of like kind of general protein intake and, you know, making sure you at least get some type of nutrient density or nutrient dense foods in of sorts, whether it's, you know, even just picking a piece of bloody fruit doesn't have to be complicated. I'm not saying like this is a really complicated strategy that people have to do, but. You can, you have the luxury of being able to eat for enjoyment, as they say. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And and just make situations work. Like I can, I have the luxury of, because of low appetite, I can, it's a lot easier to turn away things like pizza in a restaurant yeah. that one, I guess, perhaps might not serve me nutritionally as well as obviously it should do. Um, and I can turn it away a lot easier than someone that's perhaps dieting and would really struggle because of increased food focus and just appetite regulation and stuff. Like we've all been there where you're dieting and you're, everyone has some pizza and you're like, oh, I don't feel like I can, but you're just constantly struggling to, to kind of use that willpower and restrict. There is no willpower and restrict in this moment for me because I don't have anything that almost like trying to drive me to eat. Mm. It's great. It's yeah. a nice place to be. I, I honestly would probably say that most females that have ever been on a diet in their life or tried to actually pursue some kind of um, fat loss would never know what that feels like, which is makes me really sad. Mm. It does take a long time. Like I've, I've mm. obviously over a number of years of kind of different dieting cycles and non-dieting cycles and stuff, it's kind of slowly got kind of better over time. But I would say, like a lot of my kind of like life, I would, I would, I, I didn't, I, I almost, I didn't know what that feeling was like. Like it's just the point out there. You kind of get mm. conditioned to that, even though you're overeating, you're not overeating in the same. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I had to describe this. I guess like it's that, it's that. Yeah, I guess like obviously you, the whole point is obviously a lot of people. If you're overweight and uncomfortable. You should feel like, well, then surely if you're overweight, you've obviously been overfeeding, therefore you shouldn't have appetite. And that's just not how it works, unfortunately. Because I guess obviously there are certain behaviours and habits which lend itself to then managing your appetite regulation, like we talk about in terms of things like uh, more propensity to have whole foods and kind of nutrient-dense foods, less processed, hyperpalatable stuff. Obviously, you can still be overweight or, or be in an energy surplus and have high appetite because of or doing not doing all the things you should do, which is, I guess, half of the problem with individuals. That's the point, I guess. So... What you then get is that kind of paradox almost, which I was about to talk about then, is you get this paradox where you're kind of not dieting and you're actually either putting on weight over a period of time um, or kind of maintaining at a higher weight, which would make you think, how are you? How do you have like this increased appetite then? That's because you're kind of getting all the negative parts of over um, all the negative parts of overfeeding and stuff, but none of the benefits of overfeeding. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, because you yeah. you then got periods in the middle of where you're either trying to restrict diet, you have got the psychological side of it as well as the physiological side. Mm. Um, so yeah, you're it. It's bringing consciousness back and eating those foods from a homeostatic place, from a biological place of hunger, rather than actually like almost for function. Yeah, yeah, rather than like a hedonistic or restrictive place. Um, for pleasure or from yeah from uh, dietary over restriction which makes like we've talked about before and you've talked about before like the dopamine here you get that you get that increased um, sensitivity to smells increased reward all that kind of stuff it's that um, all or nothing mindset I literally just wrote down all or nothing mindset around those foods Um, it's yeah it's like you say it's something that you've it's taken a long time it um, similar thing happened to me yesterday so um like dairy milk bar of chocolate like um jack just always has normal dairy milk i wouldn't thank you for normal dairy milk i like things with like bits in it like crunchy bits or fruit and nut or stuff like that so i had like a honeycomb and nut 
Um, bear in mind, I'd already had a slice of, of cake with a little bit of ice cream and I was like, just want some chocolate to finish off. Um, so I had like half of this bar of like dairy milk chocolate. I have a big appetite. I'm not going to apologize for what I eat. I had like half of this bar of like uh, dairy just, milk. Just before you carry on, sorry. The good news is those bars, which I think I know that you're referencing, are quite yeah. thin ones, aren't they? They're uh, bit, they're yeah, bit, they're I think not... they're smaller than your, your normal dairy milk bar, I think. Yeah, yeah, we don't really. Maybe that's why I didn't find it satiating because it was a bit thin. Yeah. But like, it's supposed to have like honeycomb pieces in it, hazelnut bits, and fudge bits in it. Sounds delicious. Started eating it, ate about half of it. Not all of it was conscious, but ate about half of it and was like, "It's all right." Put it away and was like, "Do you know what? I'm gonna throw the other half of that in the bin because oh. I actually don't want it." I wouldn't throw it in the bin though. Yeah, but no, Waste not, no, not. No, 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 no. Like that is a win to me. Like, and not because uh, I can't have it in the cupboard because I'm going to eat the whole thing, but actually from a place of I am not enjoying that as much as I expected to, based on what was sold to me on the packet and the experience that I expected to have. So actually carrying on consuming that, whether it's now or whether it's in another week's time. To me, that is a little bit of a waste because it's not the pleasure that I want to experience from that kind of food. Um, and people think they have, I hear it all the time, like I have to eat the whole packet of biscuits, I have to eat, eat the whole pizza, I have to eat the whole bar of chocolate. And it's like, you don't, you tell yourself that. Like creating that pause, bringing it back to that place of consciousness, actually thinking like, like you say, are you hungry? What do you need? Are you overfeeding? Where's this coming from? You, I'm sure you enjoyed the burger and the chips a lot more consciously. Um, and the pizza, you were like, yeah, I suppose I need to eat something from a place of hunger and so I don't get too hungry later. But I don't need a whole pizza that I'm not going to actually enjoy that much because the quality of the pizza isn't great. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's an element of the, like the physiological side as well where like you talk about the dopamine kind of um, process and obviously, I, I like to describe dopamine work because I guess a lot of people like talk about dopamine as a uh, a reward. Yeah, I think a reward. And, I, like, and, it, and it is. But actually, like if you read Stephen Guinea's book around, obviously called Hungry Brain. around the Hungry like, Brain. Yeah, like kind of almost like um, evolution of our like dietary reward systems. Mm-hmm. He refers to it more around like a learning hormone rather than mm. kind of reward or a pleasure. I think pleasure, actually, yeah, when I say reward, I suppose pleasure is probably the word I'm looking for people often use dopamine as like a pleasure response like you get it after drugs or whatever but you also get it after like seeing fucking puppies <laughs> and, um i like the way stefan um almost uh describes it only because it for me it it kind of aligns or makes more sense you do something mm. that has value to you which you know in the in the the pretense or context of food is survival so therefore foods that are going to help you survive we want you to do again hence the learning aspect in air quotes rather than pleasure or reward it's not i mean it is a reward to get you to do it again but i think it's more like you know it's a it's a learning hormone so that you learn to do that behavior again um to, to do to, it more yeah to um so it's, 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 it's a basic need yeah and I, so it's kind of the same i am like you know you probably say well you know semantics is and yeah there is an element of semantics that it is the same thing in that it is a pleasure reward to say oh that's good do it again yeah there is that but I just like the phrase learning because I think it kind of it's like a, it, it shows that actually this stuff could be a learned behavior. And I guess like the reason I want to talk about that is because I do think there's a psychological, a physiological side to you have a food that you would say is like really 
pleasurable in air quotes learning and i think there's a physiological part of in certain like context of a person so their own situation you get a higher or, or, or sorry or a stronger or weaker almost response than that so therefore like you take my situation there that pizza someone dieting would be really like again i'm just going to use the term rewarding because it's probably easier like it's really rewarding somebody eat it i think this is amazing i really like that one more and they cut they feel themselves kind of really tempted almost like you know addicted like that whole thing i can't not eat the whole pack or i can't eat the whole pizza or sorry i can't not eat the whole pizza i didn't feel that and i think there is an element of physiologically 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 obviously i am overfed my body isn't in a position where it perhaps feels as strongly that it needs to survive therefore i don't have the same response to like dopamine as someone that is has been dieting for six months or you know dieting on a life type thing mm. yeah 100 percent. Oh, like your body <sighs> yeah you're not you're not appro- approaching it from a place of dietary or dietary restriction physiologically or mental restriction that makes you more preoccupied with that food anyway i i agree uh, i have nothing to add brett Good. i agree i concur but uh, yeah um but also, that does depend on how highly you praise pizza anyway, like, in terms of, like, your, like, not the value you place on pizza, but, you know, like, in terms, some people... people's preferences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, if pizza is one of your trigger foods, then it it's, you're always going to hold it in high regard. But you've already said, like, I knew it was going to be a shit quality pizza. Some people, it doesn't matter to the quality of the pizza, whereas... When you've had good pizza, wood-fired pizza, and with fresh ingredients, or maybe you've been to Italy, like that pizza for you is your hell yes, as I always refer to it. Whereas, like you, I would not thank you for a Chicago Town deep dish frozen pizza from Tesco's that cost one pound fifty club card price, like because it just wouldn't be worth it to me in terms of pleasure. I wouldn't enjoy it. Whereas, so like I would I'd easily say no to kind of those kind of things exactly like you could because of your overfed state you mm-hmm. can make a conscious decision in the moment about how you want to enjoy that certain type of food. Mm. I think for people that are listening that if they've never been to a place where they can understand why you might be able to like turn away certain foods. Mm. I think like putting a monetary cost on things is is like quite a good analogy or a good way of describing it in that a certain food might you might think like we all know like what we value like in terms of pounds of pence an easy thing like we know a phone iphone's worth yeah, a thousand quid say i don't know but like it's kind of like most some people will think that thousand quid's not worth it some people think mm-hmm. that thousand quid's gonna be worth two thousand you know whatever because they really value whatever the item is um and i think obviously like if you use that analogy the way you are with food is the same kind of principle in terms of like how much you want to eat something how much you're prepared you know what you're prepared to do to either eat it or if you're from mm-hmm. a like if you're conscious about a calorie perspective, almost like using your calorie budget, I don't really like to describe mm. it like that, but obviously it's an easy thing for people to understand. Um, would you be prepared to spend your calorie budget on it, say? And again, everyone will have their own kind of view on what they seem as value or not. Mm. And like obviously when you said earlier about the chocolate and you know, I'm going to throw the other half away, that's kind of what made me think about it in that I have the same thoughts where at times it surprised me how I can value certain foods so little compared to what I thought I would have done previously. Like I think yeah. to myself, actually, I don't even really want it. Like if and it does that comes a lot with one. There is a physiological side to it, I do think like, you know, and I know I'm repeating myself here, but there's there is also the kind of the psychological side where if you kind of practice the mindfulness side of eating, you and be a bit more present and thinking of through thinking it through, you then start to re- see the real value in things and what you generally mm. do want and don't want. It's a lot easier anyway. Completely agree, but it's important to also um, reflect on where that value of certain foods comes from 
um because some of that that's not always um that's not always learned behavior or personal preference sometimes that's nostalgia for example or like how you were brought up so like that's 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 still learned though yeah yeah okay fair enough but like it's that but it's good to assess where that comes from as well and why you play certain things so highly mm-hmm. um jack and i were just having a conversation about like toad in the hole um and i was like oh i don't really i don't really rate it that much and he was like no i'm not really that big a fan and i was like why is that because love yorkshire puddings absolutely love them love sausages and i was like mum didn't really cook it when i was younger not something we'd really order in a restaurant like whereas some of these foods create huge nostalgia even though they might not give you the same kind of satisfaction taste wise or anything like that but like that's that's, that's yeah, how that, you that, place I, value on things i i think you're describing the stuff we've already talked about in mm. kind of learned behaviors through even the like the physiological chemi- chemical processes of like horm- like dopamine hormones and stuff again because like, like any again another good example is why do people always eat in front of the tv at certain times of night that type of thing because we get this like i don't know easy, again trying to try to use an, an easy example netflix you sit down in front of the tv you stick netflix on you get a bit of a dopamine excitement rush about trying to watch some television and you start to connect that with sitting and having snacks and obviously next time you then watch netflix you're then reminded of that same situation you then get the same drivers to eat because you've connected the two previously from watching Netflix and having snacks. So the survival mechanism of like of, of basically trying to get individuals to eat, it's not just the the food, it's the experiences, the smells. It's like while you walk past a, a pizza shop and you get that same smell, it triggers that drive and appetite to eat because you've kind of it reminds you of the previous time that you got food and it helped your survival. Um, in terms of if you think about it in terms of basic needs though. So I'm thinking about nostalgia in terms of like uh, safety. So like that nostalgia, it reminds you when you were a child, maybe it's a good memory, you felt safe, you felt comforted, you felt warm, you felt happy, like Mm -hmm. that is satisfying your basic need in terms Mm -hmm. of like dopamine dopamine equals behavior rather than pleasure. Mm -hmm. Same with like, um, same with like the Netflix scenario. So maybe you've had a shit day at work, it's comfort, you know, it's comfort, it's shelter, maybe it's raining outside, maybe it's dark, maybe you've just warmed up because you've been cold. Like you're actually on a basic human level, it's those little things. Um, I, yeah, I find it fascinating. I, I think to try and give this some value, like uh, some practical value to people, I guess it's, it's interesting for people to understand or know why this sort of stuff happens. Because I guess when you know it, you can start to do something about it. Mm. Um, in that, the same way you can almost like learn to always associate eating snacks in front of the TV at a certain time at night because it becomes a habit. You can unwind that habit in the same way because it does become easier when you disassociate in the same way as it becomes harder when you associate. So when you start to get those little dopamine triggers of watching Netflix and you kind of pair and associate up with certain foods or like eating chocolate in front of the TV type thing, it obviously then becomes really hard to watch Netflix without eating chocolate. But if you keep doing it, it does get easier because it disassociates in the same way, whereas your body no longer sees that trigger of watching Netflix as then means I'm going to get chocolate. Mm. I say this to my clients quite a lot. Like a lot of nutrition is, and a lot of coaching that I do, I mean, correct me or agree with me either way, teaching people to unlearn behaviours that they've had is just as important for what we do than actually trying to implement new ones. Implementing new ones isn't the hard thing. It's undoing the old patterns and the old thought processes and actually giving people the confidence and 
letting them feel competent and have autonomy enough to do it and to actually empower them enough to unlearn those behaviors that's the hardest thing yeah, for sure it's like if you've it's that whole you walk past the same um you walk past the same coffee shop every morning and you go and get the the cappuccino with the triple caramel shot from the lovely um, lady barista behind the counter and she says anything else and you want to carry on the conversation so you then order a croissant. Well, you do that one or two or three times a week, then that becomes a learned behaviour. And to unlearn doing that, and maybe next time you go in the fourth time, she already has it ready for you. So to actually unlearn that and to stop doing that is a lot harder than just to go along with that because it's, it's the easier thing to do. It is. It is. No, absolutely agree. Um, one other thing, uh, this weekend it's a bit annoying to have to do on a stag do but my um, my sponsors eat the the, the amazing eat lean <laughs> not sponsors really <laughs> um, asked me to do them a favour for some social media content they asked if I could put a video or, or send them some like little video footage nothing too complicated but they wanted to, I don't know I can't remember why now what the what the what, what why this particular topic but they wanted to dispel or no test the myth I should say of whether cheese gives you nightmares oh my Easily. god and um obviously they're not they're not looking for a professional like you know one person rct here um but obviously so it is a bit jokey but they they basically said look can i just film a bit of content to say that oh i'm going to test this theory and can can i have a day without eating any no cheese whatsoever and obviously then kind of report back what my sleep's like and then the following day eat all the cheese like i make sure I cheese in every meal type thing and then see how it affects my sleep i'm like when okay that's fine I can do that and I was like yeah can we have them back quite soon and obviously I was like you got two days I was like oh brilliant the two days I'm on a stag do there's me sitting there eating pizza and cheeseburgers fortunately and cheese on chips having to like video myself think this isn't fucking embarrassing is it <laughs> I fucking video myself on a stag do with a load of blokes obviously and... talking about cheese on my burgers because this is going to affect my sleep <laughs> and did it uh it's hard to say, really, because too many con confounding variables. <laughs> exactly, I was going to say, compounded <laughs> with the alcohol. And... Um, I would actually say the non-cheese day was definitely the worst sleep, as in Saturday when I didn't eat any cheese was the worst. Sorry, Friday when I didn't eat any cheese was the worst because mm. um, I I don't think it was the cheese or the lack of cheese uh, that did it anyway. I think it was more the fact that New Travelodge... Um, People shout outside the window. Uh, ironically, um, obviously, oh no, sorry, sorry. I'm trying to think what there was, there was something else. But um, one thing did happen at four o'clock in the morning. The room above me sounded like someone fell out of bed or something. Oh. There was just an almighty great slam on the floor, like a proper bang. Like what the like, it woke me up basically. I was like, what the hell's that? So someone must have just been so drunk they just fell out of bed or something. Mm. Just smashed on the floor. It's like Jesus Christ. So it's obviously a culmination of these things, I think, and the fact that obviously been drinking. Um, yeah, obviously a tough one. The actual second night I actually slept better, but I don't know if that's a case of I was also so tired from the day before. Obviously, got in at four a.m., which is you know reasonably late. Thinking, oh, I've had about four hours sleep the day before, and I've now got to get up again in about another four hours. Um, I just hit my my head went on the pillow, and I don't think I woke up again until uh, until the next obviously whatever time I was supposed to get up. So. So, eat lean. Basically, the message is more data is needed. So, if yeah. you could repeat that again this weekend, Brett, that would be great. Or maybe we need midweek data. That would be a more accurate representation of whether cheese gives you nightmares. Yeah, I think they will be pleased, though, because um, I spoke to uh, Helen. Shout out to Helen, who's the social media executive. I don't know what her exact title is, but she's a, she's a brilliant woman um, uh, who works there. 
and uh, I did send her a, a latest paper that I saw Brad Schoenfeld had uh, posted saying, uh, and I'll, I'll read the, because I've, I've got the paper up in front of me because I thought I want to speak about it, but it's by uh, the lead author, it's Wesley Hermans. Um, I have to mention the second author because it's Kaz Fux. So, oh, <laughs> what a name! I think it's, it's Fuchs probably because there is a football player with the same spelling of her surname which is F-U-C-H-S. But you know, you've got to call it fuck something. Fuck it, <laughs> but the, um, the title of the paper um, gives away what it's about, but I'm going to read it out. Cheese ingestion increases muscle protein synthesis rates both at rest and during recovery for exercise in healthy young males. A randomised parallel group trial. So I thought, well, you know, jump on this. This is ideal. Ideal. Yeah. I mean, I, I eat lean. That's one of the... I'm sure that can be a USP for them. Yeah, well, um, especially bear in mind that not only, I guess the cheese they were using um, wouldn't be a high-protein cheese either. It would be a normal cheese. So you would hypothesize that using a high-protein cheese would be even better. Even better. So, even uh, better. If anyone actually wants to know, the study was, um, I'm trying to think of what the, the, I did actually read it, but basically they got a couple of like two groups of 20 people or something. Um, they were like 18 to 30 18 to 40, 18 to 35, something like that. I can't remember what the age group was. But um, basically, again, 30 grams of uh, protein provided through either cheese or mm. milk protein concentrate, so a shake. And then got to do a load of legs, like single leg leg sessions. Um, and then obviously measured their uh, plasma amino concentration, uh, amino acid concentrations and their muscle protein synthesis response. Mm. And um, they were both, actually, I don't think there was any significant difference between the groups because they both obviously had the same amounts of protein. Yeah. Um, so I think uh obviously the the point was if you go back to the actual title was so that obviously it increased regardless basically at rest or during recovery so the whole point is obviously uh get your protein in yeah from whatever source possible but if it can be from a higher high protein lower calorie lower fat cheese why not Hmm. i mean uh, because i was thinking like actually the cheese uh, i haven't seen the actual online data so i would assume the cheese delivered more calories than the milk protein concentrate for the reasons you've just said Mm. so you would expect that perhaps the additional calories might also have a benefit to building muscle. Um, but there wasn't actually a significant difference between the two groups, as I said. So, mm, Not significant enough to to justify one over one source over the other anyway. No, no. But it does tell you that if you want to, you don't have to drink a shake and you can eat some cheese after a workout. Amen. Amen. Other protein sources are available, but if you're going to eat cheese, obviously get it from Eat Lean. Yeah. Well, I, I have many times decided to forego my uh, post-workout shake for a massive lump of Eat Lean cheese, often because I've got a lot of it to get through and consume. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, certainly dieting as well, the act of like obviously chewing, masticating and consuming a solid food. It's very like, Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say, actually, I think it's like more satiating in that, mm. like, obviously there's enough research that shows that generally kind of like our bodies don't kind of recognize or respond to kind of liquid calories in the same way as we would do like a solid food and i think part of that is because of the the kind of the act of it is part of the satiety effect Mm, Um, so rather than like you know 300 calories of fruit juice is not going to satiate the same way as 300 calories of like solid fruit type thing i know there's obviously the the, you know the fiber and some other stuff that obviously plays a part but i do also think a lot of it is that you know taking your time like even the act of chewing slows you down so it kind of almost forces you in a bit more of a mindful as approach than compared to just 
you know, drinking out of a bottle and swigging it down type thing. But it's also how we experience food as well, because we experience food in so many different ways before we actually taste it. So you've got the smell, you've got the actual salivating that starts the enzymatic process in the mouth, which aids digestion. So like, and then you've got like the sensations in you as you taste, as you actually chew, and then you've got the sounds, like whether depending on what you're eating, you've got textures. Like, there's so many things involved with how you experience food, um, and like you say, that makes you more mindful. Sometimes it slows you down, um, as opposed to just chugging a shake so it might be better for some people if they are trying to be mindful of how many calories they consume they might find their appetites a bit irregular if they're consuming a cheese not drinking a protein shake so mm. there's yeah. there's an evidence-based study to uh, back it up to why you what is your um post-workout meal of choice um, i'm assuming there that you kind of work out the same time of early day. morning you're an early morning early morning I'll fasted say, so. or not fasted uh I'm being going through cycles actually, like so. It's not faster as such, but um, so I, I usually always eat something. Normally, sometimes I don't. Like I'll, I'll be honest, like being in an overfed state constantly, it actually makes fuck all difference to me personally. Um, and obviously, the literature would probably agree with me. I think um, I'm basically constantly full in glycogen. That's going to be a main determinant factor of a weight training session, whether I get a good session or not. For the most part, anyway. I know there was a study that Jackson Pios um, put out around. Um, I mean, Johnny did, did talk about this actually on a podcast a while ago about how I think there was like higher or higher perform uh, power output on some weight training sessions where people that ate a carbohydrate rich meal beforehand and people that didn't even all I think I, I can't remember the, the exact details of the study now but basically it came like basically even if you think that your like full glycogen stores are, are going to be the determinant factor there was a slight difference I know it was only like I don't know four percent relative so it wasn't like a yeah I wouldn't personally think it's a real world excuse me that's uh, me vomiting my mouth from the hunger. <laughs> Used um, a bit. Yeah. Um, that, that, I guess that 4% output difference in real world for most people isn't going to be anything to even think about as significant. On paper, it's a, it was a statistically significant, um, I guess, response or result. But you probably look at someone like Jackson or the type of people that he would usually speak to perhaps they would say it's you know it's because they want every tiny little extra one percent um so perhaps for them it is a significant thing but I think for most people it's not even worth worrying about anyway to answer the actual question um something like that recently I've just been having like a couple of those little mini saurian loaves mm. like a couple hundred calories um before just of like some carbohydrates and stuff and um I've been just having like a, a smoothie or a protein smoothie afterwards so and I was having like a protein smoothie beforehand and just having like some honey and some other stuff in it to kind of bulk up the calorie content and obviously get some carb more carbohydrates in but I stopped doing it and I don't I kind of was just playing around with whether I felt I, my gym sessions were better mm. like almost like triggering a protein synthetic response prior to my workout because obviously the timing things were the reason I was playing around with because I was kind of like I get up and I have to train straight away almost so there isn't there isn't a huge amount of difference between the time when I, when I wake and then I have to go train so I can obviously get a smoothie meal in or something like that and then go train fine but it isn't a huge amount of time between so i was starting to play around what if i just quickly have something like really easy to just grab eat and i just kind of at least i'm i've got something in the kind of the blood the bloodstream or system kind of to go on and then i just worry about protein serving afterwards mm. i kind of i don't know i this might be purely psychosomatic or psychological or you know definitely anecdotal clearly but i kind of started to think like I was, had a bit more focus or maybe even a bit more energy not having protein. Hence, I was just, just having a couple of saurines. Mm. But 
I don't know, I'd probably have to re- like repeat it many, many more times or for a longer time period and just see actually was I right or wrong or was it actually no different or am I just kind of kidding myself a little bit? I don't know. Mm. So long-winded way to answer your question, but sometimes I, w- I was having like a, a protein meal beforehand and I wouldn't have a shake afterwards sometimes because mm. I, I was like, look, I'm getting up, I'm having protein, I'm training for an hour. Do I really want to have another protein serving after I've just had one an hour ago? It's kind of like, mm, probably a bit overkill, probably don't need to worry about it. In fact, the actual, the synthetic response of the training session would be more than the protein I'm consuming. Mm. So, which is something that a lot of people obviously miss kind of a bit of the wood through the trees a little bit. Worry yeah. so much about, oh my God, I've got, I've got to get my protein shake in, I've got to consume a protein. Well, you forget that the thing that's going to build muscle is the actual training session itself. Yeah. Do you that, fu- do you it hard. Yeah. You get a f- far higher, like, um, fractal synthetic rate from training than you do from any protein you'll ever consume. Think about the stimulus, not about the response. Exactly. And uh, I mean, yes, the protein intake will augment that, but if I already had one an hour ago, how quick does that fucking digest? I mean, like, if I had one an hour ago, does that mean, oh, well, no, it's not going to work for when you then finish your training session 60 minutes later, you've got to have another Mm -hmm. one. It's like, well, perhaps I'm still digesting that. Perhaps that will still augment my response to training because I only had it an hour ago. Mm. Like, how quick is it? Mm. So... Lots yeah. of, it's complicated like, when you think about it sometimes like, and I guess I, I don't even really know the answer to what's best in that that response because guess... it can be complicated I think it depends on what you're trying to maximise at that point in time like yeah. you, you don't have to make it complicated you could just no. go doesn't matter which is basically where I'm at like, it doesn't really matter so I'll just, then I'll just I'll flip between the two sometimes and don't care exactly you have to think about like how much of your muscle that you're going to build in your lifetime is actually laid down already probably most of it have you seen um, have you seen me yes I have Brand. yeah yeah, yeah. You've so, got p- potential. <laughs> potential. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just try and flex? That was no, cute. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, how much of the muscle that you're gonna actually gonna build in your lifetime is laid down already? Therefore, how much have you actually got to left potentially to maximise? Therefore, does waiting an extra hour between your next protein serving? First of all, are you actually getting enough protein in across the day anyway? Because if you're not even doing that, don't worry about your meal timings. Just try and do that in the first in the first place. Um, but yeah, then then try and optimize your meal timings a little bit more. But it's also got to fit in with you as an individual. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The um, yeah. Because I, I was just the reason the whole reason I asked that question is just whether a shake was actually your post workout meal of choice. Um, at the moment, it is from a convenience and obviously mm. no consideration for society whatsoever because it just isn't a factor. So, yeah. um, and I mean, fair, like, what I will say though, and I've said this to clients where, like, I'll, I'll backtrack slightly on what I've said a moment ago around kind of liquid versus solid stuff. I don't know if you can, like, I don't know what, what, what category would you even put a smoothie in because is it liquid or is it solid? I mean, it pours, so I guess you would say it's liquid, but you know what I mean? Mm. It's not, it's not a thin whey shake, it is. Like you don't my, masticate, but you... You don't I chew, mean, no, but I mean, it's, it's a lot of volume and it's quite thick and I like there's fibre and other stuff in it which will slow down digestion. So mm. I think I think they, they are a lot more, like a, the smoothie that I make at home is obviously a lot more satiating than what you might buy in a bottle in a shop or like a juice, say. Mm. Um, obviously a lot more. So, because like my smoothies have like frozen fruit. Sometimes I put like, if I've got any spinach, I'll shove some spinach in there. Um, Greek yogurt. Uh, whey powder. Um, sometimes well, basically, it's made up honey. of more macronutrients than just a whey protein shake. Oh, absolutely, yeah, loads. Like yeah. My, my smoothies can sometimes come out like six hundred calories. Yeah. So that's like, it's not like I'm only just drinking one hundred and twenty calories from a single scoop of whey protein. Yeah. Um, but obviously, there's more stuff into it, like the fiber and like the other kind of the kind of higher protein stuff, which then will help with satiety. Yeah. So I guess there is an element of like, as I say, backtracking. 
you don't drink your calories because you won't feel as full. They do. They do absolutely. I drink one. I'm like not interested in eating for about three or four hours afterwards. Mm-hmm. And again, not everyone will be in that same position. There will be people that will drink one and want to eat after an hour because they're just in a different space. But mm. I do think they can also be a lot more satiating, just something like that. And I, I had this conversation with Alad Zachary ages ago, where and he said he agreed that there is also an element of, especially if it's like first thing. So that you get up if you are trying to kind of lose some body fat and therefore obviously have to manage your appetite and some energy intake some way to create a calorie deficit, of course, however you want to do that. Um, sometimes an easy way to cut down on a potentially some intake is to not be food focused. And one of the ways you can try not to be food focused is by like almost not triggering a appetite response in any way. Which, you know, fasting lends itself into that practice. So like you basically get up, you fast, you don't really think about food. And you probably might find it a bit easier to then therefore consume a bit less calories during the day because you've spent mm. obviously a decent amount of time not eating. Some people will report that once they start eating, that's it. They then feel 100%. like they're hungrier. They feel like they're more food focused. And a smoothie almost bridges that gap a bit in that you're not fasting. But I do find that like a, a, like even a protein shake, not necessarily even a smoothie, might help you kind of get some protein in, get some nutrients in or whatever, but perhaps doesn't trigger in the same way a meal would. So it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So you might not. That you can just drink it and get on with your day because it's a drink, rather than kind of sitting down, eating it, and then thinking, right, oh, actually, it's just made me hungry for the rest of the day. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? I don't have explained that very well. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, I think if you're food focused, you're always going to be food focused. I think some people know whether they like to masticate or not. Some people actually just genuinely enjoy the whole process of eating and chewing food and sitting down, and especially if you are in a calorie deficit. Um, completely agree about the fasting thing though I had the same conversation with a client earlier I was like look let's like really struggling to stick to a calorie goal and I'm like can you shift your feeding window a little bit it's a lot easier to get on with your day and crack on without consuming anything in the morning to go longer from the moment you wake up without eating than once you start eating then the rest of your day can become very food focused um, as you kind of try and bridge that gap between the next meal or you've started that um, hormonal response or, you know, like there's there's stuff gone into the stomach. Um, Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. Everyone's different. And again, like there's no right or wrong answer for 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 anyone. And even when you do find something that works for you, then maybe something changes in your schedule as well. Like maybe you have to shift the time you train. So what you did before doesn't work anymore. Or maybe you get a new job and you have to commute now or you don't have to commute now. And there's always I've noticed the difference as well, just being a bit older that I struggle now to train fasted. I really do struggle to to train fasted now. I would much rather... I feel a lot more depleted towards the back end of my session if I am training fasted as opposed to training about 11 o'clock if I've already had breakfast. Whereas when I was younger, I could train fasted and still feel great. If anything, I'd actually feel better as I got through a workout. Whereas now, like, it's just something that I've noticed in myself. It could be multi-causal. It could be that I've got more stress in my life, like loads of different things. But just don't expect things to stick and um, be prepared to kind of change this stuff as you move through. Mm. you're training uh, i said earlier about obviously glycogen being the kind of key factor that's going to determine whether you, you're going to probably have a good workout or not um there was some stuff that came out more recently around that we're starting to understand a bit more that like glycogen storage in muscles is a bit more complicated than just it's either in a muscle or not and that there could be like glycogen stored in types of muscle fibers and that where like a, a full like a, an actual total muscle depletion might only be like 10% depleted say after a workout like 
almost like the glycogen in specific muscle fibers might be a lot higher in that area or in that I, I, i'm butchering this because i can't exactly remember because i don't think this is particularly well studied and i think it's quite a new thing that's come out that they people start to realize that actually where you might think on paper actually you should be relatively still like full of glycogen therefore performance shouldn't really be impaired perhaps there are elements where it's a bit more complicated and you could still be impaired because obviously you kind of lose muscle like glycogen in specific muscle fibers mm. that then affect it does that make mm. sense so i guess like yeah there is an element of like we say you kind of just have to try it out yourself and see how you feel and things but yeah yeah and obviously it's going to come down to things as well like your workloads what your training sessions like how much you're actually doing and you know yeah. when was your last meal like is fasted actually fasted is yeah. is are your glycogen is your glycogen actually going to be full like if you if you haven't had a carbohydrate rich meal for like the, the night before say and you wake up fasted it's a bit different than having like a massive bowl of fucking oats before bed and then waking up and training in the morning like it's a big it's a bit there will be two different scenarios there which possibly 100%. people might not even quite realize either so 100 percent yeah interesting interesting it's interesting hopefully people find it interesting if not why the fuck are you listening <laughs> unless you're here for the five four three two no that's not the song is it all about that wasn't the song yes but no i must admit i feel pretty pretty flagging now I was, I, I, well, see five hours drive tired wasn't great and i'll be honest um i thought actually oh hold on i'm gonna have to just suddenly sharp turn backtrack one thing Something else I remembered that I wanted to talk about, and I probably shouldn't talk about it on the podcast because it sounds horrendous, but I'm going to say it anyway. I woke up with no pants on in oh. my bed Saturday morning. Like I sleep at home naked for all these people now fantasizing, but <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't sleep with pajamas or clothes on at home, right? And um, obviously, I was rooming, so I did sleep with pants on. Um, and fine the first night when I woke up this morning, um, I was like, I haven't got any pants on. How come? I'm absolutely sure I went to sleep with pants on. And I kind of fell around, and my pants were laying like under the covers on the bed next to me. So you really I don't took remember, them off in the night. I don't remember taking them off. Oh, your roommate took them off in the night. That's then. why I said I think I think I got raped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a helpline you can call for that, mate. I'm sure there is. I think that's the only explanation. Oh, dear. The only explanation here, the most like Occam's razor. Clearly, the right answer is that yes, he molested me in my sleep. Clearly. Um, Do you know what? Hearing stories like this makes me really glad I've had a chilled weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, you, it, you hear people recount stories of like drinking and poor sleep and you turn up with a really croaky voice and you're like just sitting here on my pedestal proud as punch right now that I've just had a really relaxing really weekend boring and I had weekend, eight yeah. and a half hours of sleep last night. Yeah. I, I, to be fair, like I could have easily, and Ed won't listen to this so you don't care, but I could have easily said, oh, I don't want to go. I can't really be bothered. You know, it's like, it's a long way to go. I'm away from the kids and the wife. I'm going to be really tired when I get back. It's my like, whole weekend gone before, obviously, kind of, you know, back to work on Monday and all that stuff. You know, spending loads of cash, all the things that go through your mind, think, oh, I could just stay here rather than do it. But obviously, you know, make the effort go anyway. And actually, I'm, I'm genuinely really glad I went because I did have a really good time. It was a good laugh. Yeah. Um, even now, like, the hungover bit. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm hungover, and I wouldn't say I'm actually hungover on any of the days, despite, obviously, getting... I wouldn't say I got absolutely plastered either. Like I'm reasonably controlled my alcohol intake. Yes, I drunk like a normal person. Like I had a drink every hour, or you know, like someone had to drink, you drink it. You know, I wasn't like um, trying to hold off or doing like these weird, like the weird things people do, like where they swap an alcoholic drink for a water between. I mean, who does that? I mean, God, how weird. <laughs> no, Hydration. I'm joking. I'm joking. So 2000. <laughs> but no, like I don't really get hangovers from alcohol. Um, 
Well, actually, no, again, I'm actually going to backtrack for the 96 times this podcast. I will get hangover from alcohol if I don't do the right things, aka actually hydrate, try and get some sleep, that type of thing. Because basically, most hangovers are the fact that you're just really dehydrated and you are generally pretty tired from lack of sleep. That's the most like impacts on people's you know, hangovers. Also depends what you drink and the concentration of the alcohol you drink. Oh, as well. well, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, again, going back to another uh, Stronger by Science podcast, they did an episode on the... Oh, what was it? Not tannins. What's in? There's a there's a there's a chemical which they walked through, which I think they said that, that people are suggesting that there's a certain chemical which might be aligned or um, correlated with types of hangovers. Like so, certain drinks that have higher mm. concentrations of these chemicals might produce a more severe hangover. Mm. But generally, let's be honest, I do think. Well, my my personal view is that like most people's hangovers, are the fact that they just don't ever drink any fucking water. In the nighttime, they just drink alcohol the entire way through, go to sleep, wake up tired, and really dehydrated. Or they have yeah, and they haven't eaten enough before they drink as well. Yeah, yeah, perhaps that sort of thing. So, and obviously, I, then I don't suffer that because I do make sure I like I'll get home and I'll drink a load of water or whatever. Or I might still actually, you know, drink water between not swap an alcoholic drink like this madness. But um, <laughs> just I, park. This is weird. Yeah, this is weird because I don't even drink ever all year round and I'm, I'm speaking like i'm alcoholic and that oh yeah so i had one glass of wine yesterday and honestly after my last i really enjoyed it and after the last sip i was like feel woozy literally yeah. felt my inhibitions lower immediately like felt a little bit hotter already like internal body temperature rise i was just like this is instant like absolutely instant i was like i don't enjoy this like i really don't enjoy it wine. you were drinking wine though i really like, yeah but yeah. i really enjoy a glass of wine like i really like it especially in the winter when it like red wine it's warming it's like I, I like a red wine that smacks me in the face as well like it's got to be proper full-bodied but like yeah just that instant woozy fuzzy lowered inhibitions like feel a little bit bolder i think it, i just think it's learning what kind of effect alcohol has has on you is a very interesting uh, mm. experiment I, I i would i would almost easily or i could easily just like never drink again like no i couldn't you know, i enjoy it no I, 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 I mean i don't enjoy alcohol enough generally mm. to say that or, or or i could easily say because i don't enjoy alcohol enough that i'll never drink again I mean, I won't because I, you know, I don't. One, I don't like that type of restricted mindset because I think that's what will drive people to constantly want to drink. So I think if you tell yourself that, you will just suddenly think like you're missing out, and therefore mm. you'll, you'll then try to drive those behaviours to have to drink more or to start drinking again. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just don't align or enjoy alcohol. And I think the negative effects of it would probably mean that, like, or well, it does mean that my lifestyle means it generally contains very little alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm obviously not totally mm-hmm. so I do drink on things like stag do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say as well, though, uh, I had um, a new cocktail in Dirty Martini, mm. uh, not an actual Dirty Martini, in the bar, in the bar chain Dirty Martini. Yeah, so other people might might not. Um, it was a spiced apple martini. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely amazing. My four-year-old would drink it and oh. think it's amazing, I'm sure. Like, it didn't even taste of alcohol. It was like, like, like gen- I mean... Perhaps it was lower alcohol, I don't know, but it was generally like masked, masked by mm. like the cloudy apple and spice stuff Lovely. in it, which was absolutely Cinnamon. Um, I didn't even pick it either. I wanted, and I thought this was fucking horrendous. Um, well, horrendous might be a big extreme response, actually, but I didn't think this would be allowed. There's a cocktail, and because I'm not a cocktail connoisseur, this might be really off or, or normal to people. There's a cocktail called Shisho Fine. Oh, I didn't know that. And I thought that sounds a bit like cultural appropriation of sorts or some sort of kind of racist connotations of... Like, oh, she shall find. 
actually that's cultural appropriation me doing that accent no doubt but do you know what i mean i was just gonna let you go there just but, just jump in mate no it's fine but i, I I'm, I'm comfortable that people understand my intentions are not i'm trying to be racist here. but i thought feels like it's not the sort of thing you want on a cocktail menu but perhaps it's completely innocuous and nothing to do with anything that i think and someone's gonna say you idiot it's whatever i mean never heard of it no i've never heard of it she show as in s-h-i-s-h-o fine that was the name of it it just sounded delicious that's why i wanted it yeah. i'll have that and that was quite a short little like almost like a manly cocktail because i did I yeah i did say I... i'm not drinking a fucking cocktail i have a, have a dirty martini girl like a sorry a martini glass like a dirty martini or whatever um yeah. It was quite funny. It's like the dude buying me it obviously went to the bar, couldn't get the Chicho fine one that I asked for. And I came, that's why I came back with the spiced um, apple martini because he just picked something else. Which I ended up um, loving. Which I ended up loving. But he also got it in a small glass. Didn't He <laughs> made sure it didn't come back in a martini glass. Yeah, because I said I'm not fucking drinking one. I love martini it. Glass. So, love um, it. Yeah. I can just see you there with your pinky out. Uh, we don't, I, don't really, I would have drunk it. I was only joking. Of course you would. Every drink fucking espresso, espresso martinis all night, so. And they make me not sleep. Anyway, and mess me up. That's yeah. a conversation for another podcast. Great chat, pal. Great chat, pal. Yeah, really good. It. Thank you. Um, Buy your cheese. Yeah, it doesn't say. give you nightmares. <laughs> but it does increase muscle protein synthesis, um, synthetic rates and Which stuff. probably more what you're here for. Although you probably will have nightmares after all those recounts of Brett's. The stud do that Brett just went off. Yeah, the thoughts of me without pants on. Yeah. <laughs> oh cheers pal literal, literal she's just look, for anyone listening can't see she just vomited actual vomit from her mouth which is a bit wrong I don't <laughs> savage right let you go um, see you next week bye bye thank you for listening to the NNN podcast if you enjoyed the show please help us by rating on your podcast provider sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people see you next week Thank you.